Team Team, Boafik, I hope you're ready to discuss Caribbean literature. I'm Mayla, a romance author from Guadeloupe. This is how I present myself today, but it took me about 20 years to give myself permission to write about my people falling in love and finding happiness. Why? Well, thank you for asking and I'm going to tell you why. I never got to read about Caribbean people being happily in love until 2019. And chances are, especially if you're listening to this podcast in 2021, you probably haven't either. That's why I decided to record my discussions with Caribbean authors who will give you an idea of their motivations and the issues they faced to get their romance stories published. My hope is for you to be inspired to write, to buy, because we're here to support, and to read romance stories set in the Caribbean with Caribbean people. On why. Yemunla, welcome to episode 3 of this series celebrating Tim Tim Boafik's first anniversary. Today I decided to switch things up a little bit. The discussion will be with a fellow reader of Caribbean romance. I've been following her on Twitter for almost a year and she's definitely here to promote more of our love stories. So I thought it would be nice to listen to her perspective on the state of Caribbean romance because I know in my heart that the genre will gain more and more visibility in the upcoming years and we should never forget how it all started. Also, I wanted to make a comparison. Our experiences as readers are so similar despite the fact that we don't have the same nationality and we don't even speak the same language. So I thought it would be interesting. And speaking of language, just a heads up, the final part of this special series will be in French with an author from Guadeloupe. Yeah, we're going multilingual with this podcast, y'all. But I'll try my best to provide English subtitles on my Karukaram on YouTube channel in the upcoming month. Anyway, let's go back to today's episode. Today, I'm meeting with Candy. I hope you will enjoy our discussion. Can you introduce yourself? <laughs> Absolutely. So hello, this is Candy, aka Tenny on Twitter. I'm here to do the thing that I do best, talk about books. <laughs> I am from Jamaica originally, and I've lived in the US now consistently since university. So I've been here almost 20 years now, full time. Just like so me. My, yeah, I've raised my family here. I met my husband. It's funny. I met my husband, who's also Jamaican, <laughs> in the US. <laughs> And we've just been here. We've raised our family. Um, we try to impart their Caribbean heritage into them, but they're still a little American. We go home frequently and they they know who they are, but we still give them that space to realize that just because we're from a place doesn't mean that that's your place. You have ties to it and it made you who you are, but you can still be you extremely important very important so you're a fan of romance would yes. you say you're a fan of romance or a black a fan of black romance so romance as a whole so I started reading when I was six um and 
I went from my cousin used to come from the U.S. and she'd bring me like the Babysitter Club books. And I started reading those and then I went straight from Babysitter's Club, um, Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, you know, the, the classics. I read the same. Mills and Boons, Harlequin, because I'd have my granddaughters that would come from England and they'd bring their Mills and Boons, which I later discovered was probably just a Harlequin imprint because a lot of the books were the same. But and I'd have my aunts that would come from New York. They have their romance novels. So I grew up with Fabio, you know, on the cover of books. Um, I love Western romance. That was like my big Linda Lale Miller. And I don't think I read a Black romance until probably when I was in college. So 2003, I found a Brenda Jackson book. And then Rochelle Ehlers. And then I want to say I read Indigo by Beverly Jenkins. And then I read Vivid. And at the time, I didn't appreciate, you know, it was nice to see like Black people in the U.S. in the 1800s. But the storyline itself, like I appreciate, like I was there for the romance. And then it was like, oh, there's Black people in the romance. And I love that. Like, that's what I was there for. And I reread both this year in the beginning of this year and after having you know more experience and as you know reading that book at 18 versus reading that 37 it's a different experience because I've had more experience and I now read because I can primarily black romance because I can now find all of my romance requirements just about in black romance um And I made that shift in 2012 when I was pregnant with my son. It was terrible pregnancy. (laughs) So I was on bed rest because I couldn't eat and I was throwing up all the time. I was in and out of the hospital because they had to, because I couldn't eat, I couldn't keep anything down. I had to have um, IV fluids and I found Christina C. Jones on Twitter and that was my introduction to more contemporary Black romance with women that looked, talked, and acted like I did. My coworkers, my cousins, you know, my sister. It was more representative of me and where I was at that point in life. And then Nicole Falls, um, and it sort of just kind of trickled from there. So what started as just, okay, you have these four, five books. Now I have, I don't, I don't even know. And that's where I'm hoping that we get with Caribbean romance is there was a time where you could find very few Black authors um, for romance. And now I could read any romance I want to. I would always choose Black romance first. I think romance will always have my heart because mm-hmm. I'm just kind of guaranteed that there's going to be problems. But if it's a well-done romance, you get your happy ending. And that's the part that I like. I like low stress, happy ending, and we all get what we deserve. I feel the same way. Especially, I mean, I wasn't aware until I think last year how much of a debate the happy ending element was to define romance. 
<laughs> because I started following more romance authors. So I realized that there are people, they really want romance to be extended to any kind of ending. Mm -hmm. Although the happy ending part is what makes it really romance. romance. Yes. So what's your first memory of a Caribbean romance? I remember the first one that I remember reading was probably Rilsey Adams, where it was two Caribbean characters set at home. And I just remember reading. I don't think it clicked to me at the time until she mentioned Barris. And I was like, wait a minute, Barris. And I was like, wait, embarrass Emmett? And it stopped. And I stopped. I was like, wait a minute. These are my people. And I th that was probably the second book that I read of her because I had her on my to read list. But, you know, it, you get to the point mm -hmm. where you get all of these suggestions and you can't really read them. Mm -hmm. But I had submitted, I think I'd asked for African romance at that point and I had people you know giving me great suggestions and I thought about it and I was just like well what about us <laughs> you know <laughs> like yes I want to read about Nigerians I want to read about South Africans I want to read about Ghanaians but what about Jamaicans you know what about Trinis what about the Bahamas anything and it's so few and far. Last summer for Read Caribbean, I tried to do like a week of romance. There was nothing that I could find. This year I had a better outcome though. Thanks to Real Z because finding that one book, I was able to get a little bit more, but shout out to Real Z Adams. Yeah. Uh, she was on the podcast uh, last year. She was, I think she was the last episode of the season. And um For me, she was also the first Caribbean romance, contemporary Caribbean romance mm -hmm. author who would really care about writing us at home mm -hmm. and with a happy ending. Because yes. there, there are other books, actually. Yes. There, there are a couple of Caribbean romance authors from the 90s and the early 2000s, mm -hmm. or maybe the 2010s, but They usually either write with a male lead that is white mm -hmm. or, I mean, one of the lead characters isn't Afro-Caribbean. So they kind of fall into the interracial mm -hmm. romance category, in my opinion. I think it's part of Caribbean romance, too, because we have this diverse population anyway. But stories between two Afro-Caribbean people... <laughs> It's what yes. I am looking for. In their for. home country. Yes, in their home country. And it's the same thing. When I used to look for our stories at home, it was always stories that were based there. Like someone coming on vacation and meeting someone on vacation, but it was never our stories. We were just the backdrop to someone else's. And I read vacation romance, but I think that's when I stopped reading them because I was like, we're good enough to be the setting, but we're not good enough to be the character. And Rilsey and NG Peltier, um, I found one on Kindle and I'm forgetting the author's name, but oh gosh, it's actually a YA romance um, off track. Ah, abstract. Okay, because I was going to say musical youth because that's my. Whenever someone asks me to recommend a YA book, Caribbean book, 
I go with Musical Youth by Joanne C. Hillhouse because I love this story so much off track. I think it's, it's on my TBR though. I'm going to read it before the end of 2022. I swear. I promise. I gave up. I was just, I have too much. I, you know what the problem is? Like I'll start, I started rereading Beverly Jenkins this year because like I said, I love Western and I like romance set in the 1800s, like when we were first coming into our own. Mm-hmm. And with Beverly Jenkins, she does a ton of research. Like she taught me things that I, growing up in Jamaica, didn't even know <laughs> that, you know, extended out to different parts because she doesn't just include the U.S. She'll put in little bits about Haiti. She'll put in little bits about Jamaica, Cuba, uh, the Dominican Republic. Like there's always some little tidbit and then she'll give you the breadcrumbs and then she'll give you how to find the rest. So I've been able to find different things. But for me, it was doing my family tree that kind of sparked the need to get more of our stories because like my great-great-grandfather, he moved to Portland to be a teacher and he ended up becoming a schoolmaster. Um, He met my great-great-grandmother at a time where, you know, women didn't have as many opportunities, especially women that are, you know, descendants of slaves. And you don't, you know, you just don't have as access to much. And we are from, you know, a small district. And I found what we have, what I'm not sure what I did, probably like a JP for you guys, but we had, you know, registrars and he was the person that would sign the birth certificates, the death certificates and things like that. And I realized that she was his deputy. And at that point, I'm like, well, you know, here you have husband and wife, you know, they're not millionaires. They're just living a regular everyday life, making it work. And She's his deputy. If he can't sign a birth certificate or something, then she steps in and is like, why don't we have those stories? You know, we don't need the millionaire this or the millionaire that, just two people who met and fell in love or not, (laughs) (laughs) created a family and found love later. But she died prematurely and he did not get married again until their youngest child was 17 or 18. So it was like, even that in itself, is another romance option because then you have, you know, your second chance romance and, you know, imagine trying to find a wife when you've got 10 kids. <laughs> like, no, you keep that. Cause I don't want 10 kids plus whatever I have. And it was that, that led me back to asking, you know, where and when do we get our stories? Because we have lots of stories. Even now we have lots of stories, but there's just, no one telling there's plenty of people to tell them but do they have the support to tell it that's the question we'll talk about it a bit later but about the tropes that you can find in caribbean romance do you have one specific trope that comes to mind and you think it's very specific to caribbean romance or you can just tell us about what you enjoy in romance tropes that you think would be great for Caribbean romance? Well, my favorite trope is always one bed. I don't care what kind of romance it is. If you give me lots of great lead up and then 
they get stuck with, you know, one bed, one room, just something that forces them to have to be together in that space of time. I am there and I am sold. I don't care what it is. Is it one bed? Is it that they're stuck in the rain and they've now had to find shelter in a cave where they can only sit? And we can implement that in Caribbean romance. There's lots of, you know, second chance romance, you know, you go off to wherever to go find work, you know, and you come back home and the person that you left behind is still there. Second chance romance would absolutely kill because how many of us go away for school? How many of us go away for work and then come back home after all of that's done? And you haven't seen this person for 20, 30 years and they come back and they're ready to settle back in. And if you're from a place where I am, you know, your families are intertwined for 200 years. So everyone knows you or they know of you. And now you've got to try and date and you have an entire district <laughs> coming down your neck. And we would, we would do great with second chance romance. We would do very well with age gap romance. Um, one bed would work too, just to put, you know, you go out and, but I, I, I would give my toe <laughs> <laughs> for a second chance romance with a little bit one thrown in, you get someone that comes back home and, you know, they're trying to not necessarily woo their previous love, but they get thrown together because they're still there. And now you've got to fight against all of these things to get together. Well, second chance job is my favorite <laughs> and my next novella, it's not a romance though, but it's really based on this second chance drop. And you know, the first Caribbean warm come film in the eastern part of the Caribbean is a film called The Sweetest Mango. It was uh, shot in Antigua. And uh, that's basically the, the, no, they didn't know each other, but it's about lovely Anne. She comes back to the island after spending 20 years in Canada and she meets Richard, who is a local boy, and they work together at the same in the same firm. I think it's an ad advertisement or something like that. And they work together, they get to know each other. And ah, uh, I love this film so much. I it's have always, to find it. Um, you can find it online on studio TV. You can either rent it or buy it. It's sweetest uh, oh. mango. Yeah, sweetest mango. I really, really love this film. And yeah, so and so I was fangirling and I forgot my question because we talked with uh, you said something and I was like, yes, uh, the second chance trope. Okay, whatever. It's all right. Maybe it will come back later. But in the meantime, I was also thinking because, like I said, I realized that in a lot of French Caribbean romance books, the lead male character is often white. Mm -hmm. So it almost feels like the authors and they are black women. The authors cannot picture an Afro-Caribbean man being the love interest, being sweet and kind. And oh yeah, I remember what I wanted to say. You know, another genre that would work is um, 
quote unquote urban genre because this mm -hmm. there's a, a lot of drug trafficking going on in the Caribbean yes. and all that so yes. I, think, I think that would work that, listen even and I'm gonna look um I'll send it to you because I have I have a on my desktop computer I'm working off of my laptop right now but on my desktop I keep a running list of books that I find but you're right that is you know I think that's a genre we do very well with because you get dance hall community in there mm -hmm. you get everything in there and now and now I don't know why we don't have that like <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm like, why? Because we, I, I want to say I just asked Angie Peltier if she would write me a novella of, you know, just something set during Carnival, mm -hmm. because what other chance to, you know, have an instant love connection than when y'all wine pun somebody man? <laughs> 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 we have all of these things. And even back to your point that you were saying that you, these authors can't see Afro-Caribbean men as love interests. And I'm like, well, how did you get here? And, you know, for some of us, our parents weren't love connections, but we have grandparents. We have, you know, we have some example somewhere of those love interests, but we don't consciously. We And I think a lot of it has to do with money, because mm -hmm. when they have these white male lead characters they always come with money mm -hmm. to come and rescue them mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of it plays into them it's just you know I always ask well what about the people who don't need to be rescued what about a meeting of equals you know you have a school teacher and a dentist you know you have a waitress and you know the chef that does People in all professions fall in love. Mm -hmm. They don't have to have money. And that's a lot of romance. Someone always has money or there's just this expectation that the male lead and not, you know, just like millions of dollars or they have to be extremely comfortable or well off of some kind. But there's always this there's never just working class romance is what I like to term it as. It's just, you know, two people who are going through life and they may not own their own business or they may not be independently wealthy, but they're still, they're people there, you know, they work and they go to work and they come home, but it doesn't work a lot. I think because you don't have time to date, just like in real life, we don't have time to date. <laughs> Once you get home from work, you're tired. But I would like to see that because we don't need to be rescued. Mm. Um, we have enough of our own to make romance at home work. And we don't, we have enough. And I think that's the problem is we don't see it as enough because mm. they want the grand gestures. It's like, you could do grand gestures with my husband. And when we met, we had no money. <laughs> <laughs> We had, we had no money. He was here. I was here. We were probably like 22, 23. Mm -hmm. We had no money. We had next to nothing. And we still had a great romance. We met in the middle of a grocery store. Mm -hmm. And we had a great, we, matter of fact, we had a fantastic meet cute. Mm -hmm. We met in the grocery store. I looked at him. He was looking at me and, you know, when you, you don't know someone, you just kind of like, okay, hi. Mm -hmm. And then you go away. 
I didn't think anything of it. I went to work. I told my girlfriend, I was like, you know, it was just at, you know, the grocery store and this guy and his friend were looking at me, you know, we laughed because it happens. And I went to my night job and I was telling my coworker about, not that, but she was saying um, she wanted me to meet her roommate if I would come to her house for lunch, like the next day or that weekend. And I was like, okay, sure. (laughs) And we go to her roommate, we go home, he opens the door and there was the guy from the grocery store. (laughs) And he's like, it's you. He's like, how did you find me? (laughs) I I wasn't looking. (laughs) But here you are. And we've been together pretty much ever since. And we just had... A 12 or 13 year anniversary last month. So we have our own stories to tell, you know, two broke kids who make it work and make life and that you don't need a rich person. And you can have that, but we can do urban. I would, I really want, now that you've said that, I really want. But because I want to read it too, because uh, like on Twitter, again, that's how I found out there was this big debate, how when it's the mafia, the Italian or the Russian mafia, it's sexy. But when it's um, African-American characters, then it's quote unquote ghetto. And I'm yes. like, mm, they're doing the same thing. So really, it's not it's not that deep. But they're just not doing it in Italian suits. And not with the Italian accent. Yes. Yes. But I'm like, that would work so well with a Caribbean setting, like the bad boys. And <laughs> but I I think it's really a matter of people allowing themselves to think outside of the box. Because mm-hmm. I think also a lot of authors look at the best-selling books. And they go, so if I want to sell books, I need to write the same kind of stories. Okay, I'm going to use a bit of my Caribbean identity to write it, but I'm going to go with the formula and and try to get people to notice my books. So instead, I feel this is where we are right now. You have people who want to do, who want to write Caribbean romance, but since we don't have successful original stories Mm -hmm. so they just go to the successful white stories and be like we're just going to do the same we're just going to change the characters and it just doesn't work because caribbean the caribbean identity the caribbean culture is are very specific and you cannot caribbean history is specific so you cannot just switch things around like that and uh so speaking of that when do you find out about new release? A lot of it is I've cultivated my Twitter lists um, to keep with people who have some of those same interests. And then honestly, a lot of it is just grunt work. I scour Twitter. I scour Amazon. Um, I have to look. Uh, when my daughter, my eldest daughter was born in 2010, I started doing book searches for her, like just the baby books Mm -hmm. in 2009, you could hardly find board books, children's books with black children, just being Mm -hmm. a lot of the books geared towards black children were a very heavy subject matters. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just want an ABC book with a little black girl in it or a little black boy, you know, anything at that point. And because of that, and just having to do all of the footwork, that's how I approach everything else. So I just do the search. Like I go in and I'll, you know, every once in a while, I'll do a hashtag search on Twitter for, mm-hmm. you know, read Caribbean or Caribbean romance, or I search country specific, um, or look for something in Trinidad or I look for something in Jamaica. I was able to find a Bahamian author recently. Uh, she writes Christian romance. So I wasn't going to read it, but I found it. And I'm like, you know, if somebody needs it, then I have it written down. I don't, I don't like Christian romance uh, for the most part. I don't want to, you know, read Bible verses <laughs> in the middle of war. I, no, that's okay. I don't want to read that, but I just, I, I, I really just search. Um, and, you know, sometimes someone will, know someone else and they put it on my timeline, but it's just a lot of searching. And Mm -hmm. thankfully with Kindle and Amazon, and I know Amazon has their own thing happening and I fully understand that, but if it was not for, you know, the Amazon Kindle program, we, I don't think we would have as many black stories as we do now. Are all of them high quality? No, but you get quality the more someone has time to work on their craft so the first book they put out may not be you know it's good you'd like the story itself you know formatting could need work grammar could need work but the more feedback they get the more support they get the more they can put out and the better quality they can put out so I'll read something it may not be a five-star read it's not going to be on the New York Times bestseller but I'll get it because now that helps the author and that gives them time to get their craft done. So I search Amazon, Pinterest sometimes will have stuff, but it's really just searching Amazon and searching Twitter. Some Instagram I've been able to get some traction on, but Twitter is a lot easier for book searches. Now it's really interesting because This is also a topic that we talked about last year with the different authors uh, I interviewed for the podcast, the the category, because the category gives you the visibility so people can find you more easily. And for me, I I was taking myself as an example. Since I write about Caribbean characters, but they're in Guadeloupe, when I upload my book on Amazon, there's no category for me because we don't have the African-American category, African-American romance. It's not interracial romance, although Mm -hmm. I could. That's why my my first book, Love More, I have a couple. There's one, he has Korean origins and the girl is Afro-Caribbean. So I basically put them there so I could use the interracial hashtag, uh, the interracial uh, romance category when I uploaded my book, because otherwise it would be lost in the romance category. Romance, mm-hmm. the French Amazon doesn't recognize Black characters or Black stories. Wow. So it's, we're really lost in the, in the, in the algorithm. So I that's... That's why I asked all these authors because they're English speaking. And the problem for them is I think there is a Caribbean category, but it's 
mostly used for nonfiction books. Mm -hmm. So again, it's not really fitting for what they do. So, uh, so we were talking about maybe having really a Caribbean romance categories just to have everything in the same place. Wow. Yes, yes, because African American doesn't work, mm -hmm. and I think maybe that's also the reason a lot of authors will use one characters that are that is not Caribbean just to change the category. So they maybe. have more exposure, which makes sense. But yeah, so where do you see? Caribbean romance 10 years from now 10 years from now I hope that it's just like you know black children's literature and black romance as a whole where we're getting new releases often mm -hmm. where we're getting authors who have the support to write because we have a lot of authors who have the passion to write but they don't have the platform and they don't have the means. And I want us to, you know, use Kindle as a springboard, you know, just like Black Romance did for Black American authors, where you're basically the master of your own fate. You do the work and then you upload your book and then kind of go from there, which will then hopefully lead to more people getting publishing deals. Uh, it may not be huge publishing deals but I want more of our writers in country and this is not to you know be a diaspora thing you know that's not where I'm, where I'm going with this but I as a Jamaican living outside of Jamaica I have different experiences when I'm in Jamaica versus like my cousins that are still there right? Because if I go back now, it's not because I live there. It's because, you know, we're going to visit, you know, we're going for a wedding or a birthday party or a christening, you know, I'm going for pockets of time. So the stories that I would be able to extrapolate are very surface level stories. Like I could bring up my experiences, but my experiences are experiences from 20 years ago. Jamaica has changed in those 20 years. The Jamaica of today is not Jamaica from 2002 you know, it's very, it's a very, there are things that are still the same, but for an authentic story told today, a Jamaican author living in Jamaica would be better able to tell that story than I could. Whereas, you know, I would still be able to tell a better story of Jamaica than someone who wasn't even born. They may have been born to Jamaican parents, but, you know, they visit every once in a while, but their perceptions of Jamaica are based on a vacation to Jamaica, not of experiencing the history of Jamaica. So I want our authors in country to be able to tell those stories so you can get those authentic things that make that story, that story. Like Rilzy can tell us, you know, that they were listening to Barris on a Saturday or a Sunday while they were cleaning. And that's an experience that we can all feel you know, if, you know, going to the beach on your day off and, you know, just kind of drinking beer and hanging with friends, you know, those authentic experiences of this is how we wind down, you know, of seeing certain things and having certain experiences that are going on today. So we need to make sure that we are looking for those stories in the now, so that 10 years from now, we don't even have to think of, 
where am I going to find, you know, NG Peltier will be able to say, you know, I have this book coming out and we'll have, we'll still have Rosie, but then we'll, we'll have more, you know, we have say three or four stories coming out of the Bahamas. We have 10 or 20 stories coming out of Jamaica, 10 or 20 coming out of Trinidad. We have some coming from Martinique. We have some coming from Guadalupe. We have something coming from Grenada, you know, just those stories are getting to be told and getting to be told in a way that is for it's how do you say we the story is written for us if you can get something from it then that's great but it's a dish made just for us Mm. and I want to you know like when you log into Amazon and they have those suggestions for you like based on what you read so if I pull up one book, like if we have uh, urban romance, they give me 10 more Jamaican urban romances versus nothing. Hmm. You know, I, I want Amazon to be full of our stories. I want to go into, a, I want to go into our libraries hmm. and have our stories there hmm. with our local authors. And we can get there just like we've built up everything else from the ground up. We'll do this too. This is a great discussion. I'm so glad. <laughs> so glad. So glad. Um, and see, we didn't know each other, but when you tweeted, you, you made your week of Caribbean romance and you put my, my name in it. I was like, Oh my God. Yes. And that's what I mean. Like, I was working on that list since last summer. Okay. And I originally wanted 30 days Mm. and I couldn't even do last summer. I couldn't even do seven, Mm. but this year I was able to do seven full days out of June. And then hopefully next year I can do 14 because we have the stories. Mm -hmm. Someone just has to be willing to mine for them. Mm-hmm. And some of it was stuff that I had read. Some of it was stuff that I saw my TBR that is never ending. But if I don't get a chance to read it, then I still want it to be out there so someone else can read it. And then if they tell another person, then we can get all of our stories out. Because now that tweet, I think, I want to say I got about 500 views mm-hmm. or so. So even if, you know, 10 people read your book. Mm-hmm. And then they share and then they go back. Then that's more money for you. That gives you more time to write, more exposure. And then, you know, we get to keep kind of building that momentum. And a lot, you know, I know tweets aren't sales unless you're super popular, but one sale can lead to two, can lead to five. And that's what I want us to do is like, just do the groundwork. And that's what we as readers of Black romance and everything else, we always have to do the groundwork. Like the readers are what builds it up to where publishing then says, okay, you know what, there's something here. There's money for us to make. And once they can make the money, then they'll come looking for you. And that's always my goal is to help black authors but specifically to help our caribbean black authors because if you ask about black romance right now or if you ask about caribbean black romance just like you said the male lead is always going to be white like people were recommending talia hibbert i'm like she doesn't write caribbean stories so where oh well um they're of jamaican heritage and i said that's great 
I'm happy, but I don't get me wrong. I like her books. One of her books was probably the first book that I ever read with a black character that was very much like me. I think they were autistic, but their symptoms mirrored my ADHD very much. And that's very rare for me to have a black character that has those same quirks as me. And like, I love her dearly. She's a great author, but her mentioning that a grandmother is Jamaican is no. <laughs> Next thing you know, you know, Shonda Rhimes is going to be on her door with a movie deal. <laughs> like, no, we're not doing that. Like, we have to do all of our hard work. And I love it. I, it's, I try to stay out of the warring because it, there's a lot of like back and forth about this and that. But I'm like, you know what? There's always going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And the more you dig down into the trenches and the more you fight, the luster kind of wears off. I'm like, I'm here for books. Mm-hmm. And I get pulled in every once in a while. But if we keep having that same argument, then I'm like, okay, at, at this point, you're going to do what you want to do. I'm going to leave you to it and call it a day. Yeah, I feel the same way. My only fear is that when the traditional publishing houses pick on that that's the words, they pick on the the momentum that Caribbean romance may have, then they, they will try to change it. They mm-hmm. will try to make it something that is not because when I started reading Caribbean romance, I realized uh there are there were a few stories that were about Caribbean characters, but they were written by non-Caribbean authors. Mm. While I was reading, I was like, but that just doesn't feel authentic at all. It, it just felt like... It's like something doesn't sound right. Yes. And I'm not even English-speaking Carib- from the English-speaking Caribbean world. So if I notice it, I feel mm-hmm. like there's something wrong that it must be really, really obvious. obvious. Yes. And, uh, and and that's my only fear. So I that's why I'm doing all this just like you. I'm like, I just want to show authors that the readers are here. They're ready to support so they can feel strong enough whenever there's a publishing house coming to them so they can say, okay, I don't want to change that. This is really something important for the authenticity of my story. So I won't change it. So that's why I created Tim Tim Boafik. That's why I'm doing all of this. It's really for the culture and for us, us who enjoy this culture. Yeah. And you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. That's how I found you on Twitter the first time, I think, was last year when I was looking up books. I found Tim Tim Boafik. And I want to say I found your French podcast first. And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I took Italian. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't take French. And I found Rilzy because of it. Mm. Um, and then I want to see, I think you did one with NG Peltier too. Yes. And I was like, oh, no, I have to find her. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found you on Twitter and I was just like, okay, this will work. We tend to not take romance as a genre seriously. Mm. Um, a lot of the other like, and specifically for Jamaica I won't you know try and speak for anyone else but I know with Jamaican book reviewers and things like that they're usually like very heavy like they want to do critical analysis and they want all of and I'm like no 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 (laughs) we can be happy like they're they're wanting to do a lot of like the very emotionally heavy books and they want this pristine just kind of 
clear. And I'm like, I understand critical analysis is important. I very much support critical analysis. But when do we analyze the fact that we don't like seeing ourselves happy? When do we do that analysis? When do we sit down and say that I found this book inauthentic because the characters were happy? What does that say about us as a people that we think that happiness is inauthentic? I think the best example is our queer stories. Mm-hmm. The queer stories, all of the queer characters in Caribbean literature, they're never miserable. happy. Miserable. And I get it. I do. I understand that, you know, they're fighting a harder battle. Mm. Even now, I had a family member that lost his partner to violence because of their queer identity. And I would never say that, you know, they have an easy time of it. But at the same time, do we want to keep pushing the violence narrative or do we want to stop and say, hey, if we can inject a little bit of levity, if we can inject those stories that do have a happy ending, that let's put as much emphasis on that so that the kids that are coming up they have a little bit of hope because is that not what we all want is just the hope that things will be okay it may not be okay today but if we keep working on it and you keep giving people examples that yes you can be happy then let's work on that both can happen at the same time we know what we have to deal with but my god if you can't be happy in fiction if you're unhappy and miserable in life why are you wanting to read about misery in your entertainment like no and that's what i would like to see that's another thing i like to see with caribbean romance is that we're not held to those exacting standards of okay you know diana mccauley and i love diana mccauley she's an awesome author i hold her in high regards but we don't need to be so serious all the time. Like we're one of the happiest group of people. And, you know, for some, it's just by choice or for some, it's because we know how to deal with so much with a little. Mm. So let's inject some of that. Like, let's, let's remember that. And I'm hoping we can get to that point too. I hope so. Well, Thank you so much. I'm, I keep saying thank you, <laughs> but I'm so happy because I don't get to talk about Caribbean romance as much as I, I want to, because I mean, like we said, people just don't like to talk about being happy. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's a real question that we need to ask ourselves. Why cannot we accept that we can be happy? And With I mean, each other. I, yes. Yes, because there's a lot of authors, when you ask them, yeah, you wrote this and it's very dark. And they're like, yeah, because writing about happiness is boring. It's dull. And I'm like, hmm, but do you realize that you actually cannot do it? You cannot do it. So it kind of shows that your limit as a writer, just try to step out of your comfort zone and try to write happiness to see if it's that easy to do. And it's not. It's not. It's a hard thing to write. It's hard to write about happy people or to write books that are entertaining and deal with heavy topics. It's because I'm rereading Beverly Jenkins, Mm -hmm. but I love her. She's an amazing author, but she is someone who has figured out how to cover very heavy topics. Like she was able to write about someone being re-abducted into slavery as a plot point in her book 
And even with that, because of the love and care that she actually has for our shared history, um, our individual histories, and just being a master storyteller, even when she gives you something that is heartbreaking, it's okay because you know that around the bend, she's going to give you the niceness that you deserve. And she's going to give you a chance to breathe and kind of collect yourself. And even if you're still dealing with what's happened. She knows how to turn it. And she, you know, she doesn't just sweep it under the rug, which is what a lot of authors do. They sweep it away, but she deals with it head on, but she deals with it in a compassionate way. So you're still pulled into the story. So when the happiness comes back and, you know, the zaniness happens or, you know, anything else you can do it. I mean, it takes tremendous skill to be able to do that. And a lot of people are limited. They can write murder. They can write mayhem. They could write about rape all day long. Apparently, you know, rape is the easiest thing to write about in the storyline, but they don't know how to be happy. So they don't know how to write about happiness in a way that's authentic because for them to be happy, they have to be making someone else miserable. Wow. Yeah, that's hopefully authors, aspiring authors, authors who are already published will listen to this so they can have an idea of what readers want. Yes. And maybe they can step out of their comfort zone and try to write about new stuff and really take Caribbean literature in a different direction. Yes. And uh, yeah. Then 10 years from now, we're going to do another episode. And we'll see where we are. Yes, we'll see how many books we're getting published and how many of our authors who are still at home are getting publishing deals at home from home. And it will be a new book every Tuesday or every other Tuesday. Mm. If we can get that, I'll be be very happy. Mm. I'll be very, very happy. Because hopefully by then I'll be, well, I won't be retired. I, I still have... 15 years before my youngest <laughs> comes out. But I hopefully will be home more often by then. Um, I'm ready to see where we go because we have we have the momentum, we have the technology. And that's the biggest thing is getting access. And we are getting more and more access. And those people, a lot of romance authors are second career people. So they've already retired or, you know, they've already done years of work and they pick up writing because it was always something that they wanted to do, but it wasn't something that was going to make them money. So I'm hoping that as my generation, our generation, you know, as we're hitting our 40s, we're getting into our 50s and, you know, the kids are out of the house, we're on a downswing from work, then we start telling those stories. And that starts pushing then the younger next generation to come in and say, well, hey, if they can do this, then I can do this. And then we start getting that younger injection of our voices, because that's important too, is our young people need to tell their stories. And just seeing someone else do it and do it well, then they can pick it up. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out timtimboafik.com for more Caribbean books. You can email me at timtimboafik at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at timtimboafik. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Core. 
And to help the podcast get more visibility, share it with your friends, your family, your neighbors, and you can give it five stars on Apple Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. See you à dans d'autres soleils.